This is the world of the future. One step beyond your wildest imagination and your strangest dreams, where science has gone berserk with grotesque experiments in the ungodly art of flesh fusion. She's being prepared. Soon she will be ready for the great moment when she and I will become one person and my flesh will absorb hers. The fusion of male and female. Living humans drained of imperfections and grafted together to form a new and terrifying race. The incredible bi-sapien race of the wild, wild planet where the slightest error becomes the mutilated refuse of mankind, where success is a super-being, a man-made race of automatons programmed to overpower man himself. These are the invaders from the wild, wild planet. Female-formed destructive units of invincible strength. Some ability to disappear into thin air. Only a handful of men stand in the way of these mass-produced monsters, fighting desperately to uncover the diabolic mystery of their creation, locked in the malignant mind of one man. Master of the Wild, Wild Planet. Hello and welcome back to The Bloody Pit, episode 135. Folks, it has finally happened. I am finally on the bloody pit covering Wild Wild Planet from 1965 or 1966, depending on your point of view. And, of course, the reason I'm covering it is because Mark Maddox wants to talk about it. Yes, I was going to just come out at the beginning of the show and just go, you are so wrong. You are so just to get some practice. You know, but yeah, but he's right. Yeah, it's true. I did. I bugged the shit up when I saw that thing come up on Facebook where it said Rodney's talking about Wawa Planet. I went, you cheating bitch. <laughs> well, uh, just to pull back the curtain a little bit for, for people, uh, for, for, for dear listeners out there. Yes, uh, I have covered Wawa Planet both over on Monster Kid Radio a few years ago right. with Derek. And then uh, just about a month ago or two months ago with uh, Adrian over on his podcast called Wild Wild Wait a minute! I just lost it. Uh, what what is uh, Wild Wild Podcast? Holy crap! That's, wow! That's we 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 both get confused because of the name of the podcast, and then we cover the film Wild Wild Planet, and it gets all confused. <laughs> We're lucky we don't say Wild Wild West and just fuck it all up. Well, but, that's that's what I wondered if maybe because Wild Wild West was on television at the time, maybe there was that thought of hey, let's let's give it something the Americans recognize. I don't know. But, well, the, but I'll the, say this the, too, what I've I also read. covered it. I also covered it on 
uh, the podcast I do with Jim Adams, Monster Attack. We did it in uh-huh, 2018, yeah. but I'm always ready to talk about this film, especially with somebody who has a background knowledge of films from that part of the world the way you do. So, Well, the, uh, the, the, the first bit of information is, yes, uh, apparently... From what I've read, uh, there is, I, it's, I don't think it's speculation to say that uh, originally the film was going to be called something here in the United States like uh, The Galaxy Criminals, huh. but it was changed because of the, you know, to try to capitalize on the popularity of the TV show Wild Wild West, so Wild really? Wild Planet instead of Wild Wild West. Now, like I say, that's just something that I've read one place and I've not seen that backed up by people involved, you know, with MGM and, and deciding what to, what to call the movie. Right. But the fact that that's out there is not that much of a surprise. And, of course, 1965, prime, prime time, Wild Wild West, on the air, big hit. You know, it makes sense. When you get into a discussion about Wild Wild West, especially when I was a kid and I used to say about every third sentence coming out of my mouth any place I was was Wild Wild West, you'd finally start going Wild Wild West. you just go Wild Wild West. You wouldn't even go Wild Wild West. Yeah. you go, I love Wild Wild West. Well, I mean, yeah, of course. Wild Wild Planet is easier to say in some ways, actually. Wild, wild, yeah, that, that wild, P wild sound gives you enough of a breakup to know that you need to like you know, slow, down, slow down. Slow yeah. down. Slow down. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, I was I was blessed. I saw this movie right around the time it was released. And um, the thing was, when I saw it, first it freaked me out. It, it didn't freak me out the way like Quatermass in the Pit did with Colonel Brain melting all over the place. But it did freak me out some of the aspects of this film that we'll get into. And I thought years later, I thought that I had dreamed it because I now never you saw it, it on again. the big screen, right? I saw it on the big screen at Ramstein okay. Air Base in uh, in Germany. And um, it, it was one of those things where so many years went by of having seen it that I thought, I, I swear I remember this movie with guys swimming in blood. I re- swear I remember <laughs> there was like blood all over the place and blood in a, in a shower. And I remember, I remember just being – I wasn't grossed out or, or, or scared. I was weirded out by it, the concept. Oh, yeah. and, and then as the years went on, I mean, we're talking about 1966, and I finally – just hit a button on YouTube one day, look, going through different films, like, oh, here's another horror film. I, I, I've never seen it. Here's and then Wild Wild Planet came up. Here's what I thought, because I was so little at the time when I saw it, and you'll understand this completely. I thought that the movie's name, because there was another film with this name, Planet of Blood. Now, doesn't that sound like the name for, for Wild Wild Planet? It, it would be a good name for it, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But but you know uh, Planet of Blood. And, and it's like, uh, you know, so for years I thought it was, well, when I finally got to see Planet of Blood, I'm like, wait a minute. No, this isn't this isn't that one. I mean, it was good, too, but it was like, but it's like, no, this isn't, this isn't that. So I started to think maybe I had imagined it. I really did. It was that many decades. It was, I finally saw it around... 2012. It was that many years. I don't know how many years that is. Wow, that's, a, yeah. that's a lot of years. Yeah, because the the DVD came out uh, in 2010, and uh, see, I had seen. See, I, I saw the the film that they made concurrent with this one with the same cast at the same time because they made four of these things and they kind of made two of them at a time. With uh, with different leads uh, for the for the for two separate you know for two batches of them, I saw the 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 one that came after this or before this. <laughs> the release dates kind of depend on what country you were in. Uh huh. 
but I saw the, the the one that kind of I think of as the second one uh-huh. uh, first on TBS, like a, on a on a commercial cable in the uh, the nineties. Right. And then Wild Wild Planet came out on Laserdisc, and I wore that damn Laserdisc yeah. out. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I have owned. Well, you didn't tell uh, me the name of the other one. What's the name of the? the oh, uh, well, it, once again, it depends. It's 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 uh, War of the is it War War Between the Planets? Yeah, there's War Between, war the, between planets. the Planets, and then there's one called War of the Planets, which I reviewed with Jim on Monster Tech, and we were not nice. Well, it's not. That's the weakest of them. I'll be. It's the weakest. Uh, yeah, I mean, but we were like, oh man. I no, I, no, no but I I get a real kick out of the of the other one, which is. Uh, War of the Di- Diaphanoids. Um, See, I've never even heard that title. I yeah, gotta, yeah. I the, gotta the watch di- these the, things. The di- it's either the di- the Diaphanoids came from Mars or something like that. A big part of the movie takes place on Mars. Huh. Uh, but the the other one, which is essentially uh, the one that co- that was best summed up by my co my co host uh, John Hudson, uh, known as uh, uh, well, it's, yeah, War of the Planets is the one I'm talking about that I caught part of on. Uh, on TBS and then more between the planets. See how easy it is to get these things mixed up. Uh, is the one that is actually the dullest of the three, which is essentially about a farting meteor. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. That's what that's how John yeah. Hudson put it because the thing is just you know shooting off and it's got the it's got the least amount of stuff in it, and it's kind of uh, like I say I, I really enjoy War of the, the one called War of the Planets because it's the other one with Tony Russell and Lisa Gastoni. Uh, but it also has just some truly bizarre imagery, all this crazy shit that goes down once the team is uh, dealing with these aliens in this uh, this complex, this underground complex on Mars. But uh, How can I about, see that? How can I see that one? I'm dying uh, to see that, that one. one. That one is... Is that one on DVD as well? Because I'll buy it like right now. I'll, I'll put it on like I want it tomorrow. No, that okay. Yeah, this is the one that is actually. Uh, is it? I don't know if it's still in print or not. It's the one that that for whatever reason Warner or Warner Brothers doesn't have, and so uh, the uh, there are three of them. This one, Wild Wild Planet, uh, War Between the Planets, and Snow Devils have all been released on DVD by Warner Archives. But War of the Planets is uh, unfortunately not. Oh no! Wait a minute! No! 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 Shit! God! See, this you're, is what's killing see, me. See, you're getting your names mixed I'm up. I'm getting them mixed you? up again. This Help is okay. Me. Okay. Help War me. of the Planets. War of the Planets, which is the the one with the same lead actors as this one, yeah. is available from more archives. Damn, I get them all mixed up every freaking time. War of the Planets is the one that I think is the one you want to hang yourself when you're done watching it. Correct. No, no, no. War Between the Planets is the really dull one, and it's the one that is released on a different disc. Are you sure? Are you sure? In my opinion, yes. Well, no, no, no. It was the one where the spaceships get sucked into the planet, and there's, like, piping all inside this cave and everything. I thought that was War of the Planets. No, no, no. You may be thinking of Battle of the Worlds, which has Claude Rains in it. No, no, we we did an episode. I even looked it up again recently. War, I thought it was. War. Well, it's called War Between the Planets, and it's on a DVD released uh, with uh, Creation of the Humanoids. It's still available. It's the one that I, it, I want it's, the good it's the one. Dullest. Well, the good one, in my opinion, uh, is War of the Planets, and and it is available, you know, for ten bucks right now on DVD uh, through Amazon from Warner Archives. So. All right, I'm doing it. 
you better you better not send me to that stupid one. <laughs> you, better, you, yes, better not. you may never you may never forgive me. You oh forgive. It'd be like, you know, next time we're at Wonderfest, pow, where'd that rock come from? Well you gotta understand, and and, and uh Tony Margariti, Anthony Margariti, and Margarete. Tony Margariti, he made um Good Lord, he made, let's call it, he made six science fiction films in the 1960s. Uh, his first one was called Assignment Outer Space, which I also refer, I also call uh, Assignment Boredom, <laughs> which is, uh, which is a truly dull movie. Right. Uh, it, it, it's really, it's really, it's really dull. Right. And then he made uh, Battle of the Worlds, which has Claude Rains in it. Uh-huh. And it's actually a pretty good little movie. I mean, it's not great, but uh, it's it's elevated by a pretty thoughtful uh, approach to the material. It's got some really neat visuals, and it's got Claude Rain, so, you know, it you got that going for you. Then there are the four Gamma One films, and uh, which is Wild Wild Planet, War of the Planets, War Between the Planets, and Snow Devils. And so what you've got is six science fiction films made by uh, an Italian who specialized in uh, co-creating miniature special effects, therefore kind of having a hands-on connection to pretty much all the visuals that you see within the film, and um, made on extremely low budgets. And at the time, he was one of very few Italians who were involved in making science fiction movies. They were generally considered to be a little too expensive to try to come you know make one that could compete with whatever american product was being produced at the time especially given the advances that were being made in the uh, the 50s by american science fiction filmmakers right. so the uh the joy of going through especially the four gamma one films even even the dullest one the one that really just doesn't have much in it is that at least they're pulp influenced, you know. At least their look is bright and colorful, and uh, they're they're uh, they're they're rocking, you know, the whole idea of a space adventure as opposed to it being, you know, some kind of state or carefully uh, carefully uh, laid out thing where they're trying to color within the lines because they're afraid of making it uh, too silly or anything like that. Much Antonio Margariti's Gamma One films—they're really trying pretty much to make science fiction adventure films, you know. They're in a lot of ways, kind of spaghetti I, westerns in space, you know. I, you know what that kind of reminds me of, and I love this film too. Although I would say even this film is a lower budget, and not by—I don't think it's Italian. I think I want to say it's German, and I don't know. You have to tell me. Is um, the uh, Perry Roden film Mission Stardust? Yeah, which uh, which it's, I, it's, I, it's I saw that budget. as a little kid and loved it. I loved it. Um, I just Mar- Margariti I, was involved in the special effects for that film too. Oh, okay. Well, I like that film a lot. I mean, I love it. I love the kitschy music and everything like that. But I liked it ever since I was a kid. So now, here's the last question. Okay, I just... People are listening to me buy shit on your show right now. I just hit the (laughs) buy now button for the first one. Now, is the Snow Devils worth a purchase? Or is it like... Because I've heard people say they didn't like that one. Well, it is the most different of the three. Right. Um, but that's actually one of the reasons why I kind of enjoy it. It's uh, let's put it this way: um, once you're fat, once you're past Wild Wild Planet, the other three are not nearly as good. But right. I like I like Snow Devils because once again, it's pulp science fiction. Uh, right. It's you know it's uh, aliens invading and trying to change the uh, trying to change the. Uh, uh, weather systems of the planet so that they can survive on it. It's it's 
it's pretty fun. I enjoy it, but uh, you know, if you're not, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're not, I think I actually the more I think about it, the more I think you can get a kick out of Snow Devils actually. All right. Well, I'm 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 adding it to my list, my wish list. I'll try this one first. I'm assuming that the other one that I just bought was one that you put like right behind Wild Wild Planet in terms of entertainment value. Oh yeah, definitely. War of the Planets. Okay, good. I'll start with that one and this, and then I'll sucker somebody into buying me the other one. <laughs> Maybe if you're very good, someone will buy it for you. Yeah, I mean, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. now. Let's get this out of the way now because I know we we will eventually talk about this anyway. Technically, yes, no, who knows? A fifth gamma film. Yeah. Is 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 green slime? What is there enough connected? Because I actually like the idea that it's a fifth gamma film. It 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 it, it strikes me as being so similar. Of course, they got Robert Horton instead of um, yeah. Uh, 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 t- uh, Tony uh, um, who's Tony Russell. Tony Russell, who I liked a lot. I thought he was pretty good. But uh, you got Horton in there, and you got Jekyll and Luciana Pelosi. I mean, it's like, oh, boom. Okay, we're moving over to this other production facility, and we're getting special effects by the Japanese, and we're, we're going to beef this up a little bit more. I would say we all we, we can agree that that Green Slime is a more beefed-up production. Oh, yeah, it's got more of a budget, and uh, it, it's it's got more of a budget, more kind of more of everything. Yeah. And... Uh, you know the, the 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 there's a thin connection in that it's you know a kind of, uh, basically it's supposedly the same the the same uh, satellite and the the connections are uh, you know they're they're I don't think they even they even when they were making green slime I don't think they they really meant for that to be true you know for that to be some kind of connective oh, tissue so Margaretti in no way shape or form is involved none of no. the people that what none of the people. That did those first four at all? There's nobody there. Uh, uh, I mean, maybe the writer or I think uh, I think where the uh, the possible connective tissue comes from is kind of I think one of the producers uh-huh. uh, may have been involved in uh, the the Green Slime and these movies. I would have to I don't remember exactly, but uh, I also think it's fun to kind of think of the Green Slime as taking place, you know, like you know five or five or six or seven years after these other four films. Uh, sure. Because then it's like you know, well, you've got a you know, you've got a new commander, you know. Yeah, well, and you also—it's the swan song of the space station. It gets destroyed at the end. I mean, it, it burns yeah. up in the atmosphere, saving the Earth. Um, I love that movie tremendously. Uh, you know, does it go on a double bill with uh, with a Schindler's List? No. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? In other words, well, of there's, course, yeah. there's the move, there's the, there's the cinema movies. And then there's like, hell yeah, get me the popcorn. And uh, that's that. And that is what these kind of films are. And that's why I stress to people who've not seen them is these are pulp science fiction movies. These are low budget science fiction movies made in Italy that have the, the spirit and the joy of reading a crazed pulp story. That's what yeah. these are. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're fun. I will tell you this too. I, I I've shown Wild Wild Planet to several people. Linda watched it, and my brother. And like I said, we lived through it. But I think even he might have forgot. You know, when he saw it again, Linda goes, "Yeah, I do remember this when we were kids." I mean, he's like five, six years older than me. His memory would have been better for something like that. Uh, I showed it to my kids, and uh, you know, everybody everybody liked it. Oh everybody, wow! Really. Every, Oh yeah, everybody liked it. Everybody, everybody thought it was fun, kitschy. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I think, I think like Green Slime, this movie moves. Yes. You know, 
Um, now this is this is the one of the four that has the I mean like the most stuff. This thing just does not stop throwing new images and ideas at you for ninety four minutes. It's yeah. crazy. It's it's a weird. They call it the first horror science fiction movie, but we know that's our space movie, and that's just a load of crap. But no, that's not what it is. Yeah. But even though they said it in the that's the preview, that's somebody throwing some crap out just to you know stir the pot. But so wrong, as you like to say. It's true. It's so true. But at the same time, one of the joys of this is that of a certain type of film, it's a it's a real rarity. I mean, I, I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. I think the whole thing there's a there's a weird underlying. I don't even want to use the word sadism because it, that's not the right word. There's a weird underlying. Ickiness. Darkness, ickiness yeah, okay, ickiness, ickiness, little, and or there's a like, little body horror in this thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, okay, the the the, the movie starts off, and you've got uh, you've got the beginning of the build the building. It looks like they're building the gamma space, or they're working on it. I mean, it's funny. This movie starts off with it with it being built, and green slime ends with it being blown up. Yeah. But you've got these guys working on. It. They got this neat music. Is there an album for this? Please, for the love of God, tell me. I can yeah, the score was released uh, on CD years ago. I think this. I'm pretty sure the CD's probably long out of print. I have a digital version of it, of course. Uh, that uh, if you're really nice, I might, I might, I might share with you. But tonight, the, uh, tonight, uh, maybe. Tonight. Maybe yeah. I may I may have to delay the, the I may have to delay it just to, just to needle you, but uh, yeah you're right the, <laughs> the the score there's a lot of variability in the score too because it they they went out of their way to have uh, chunks of the score be kind of futuristic sounding uh, electronic. Well, they, uh, there was a lot of neat stuff in this, and I was listening to it. Anything almost from ridiculously romantic about space like harps going yeah. you know where they're spinning the they're, they're plucking or, or not running they're running their fingers over the cords and everything and uh but they've got this sort of angelic sort of thing i especially love the the movie i don't want to jump too far ahead in plot wise but near the end of the film where we're where we've got everybody out in front of that pool and the music there is especially kind of weird techno haunting it's a strange sort of a sound to it i i love it dearly but you know so you've got this the, these guys in their building ship and we immediately go inside and here's our guy you know hairy hair shirt you know Brian Brick <laughs> Brian Brickjaw, the commander. Brian Brickjaw, yeah, and good he's, point. Yeah. Well, he's sort of uh, they're looking at the scientist who's showing him in these bubbles. There's like these tubes running into stuff like a set of lungs. Yeah. And a, and whatever the hell else I don't even know what 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 some of that other stuff is, but it's like the lungs are like filling with air and everything. And it's a real cre- probably I was too little to even know what I was looking at at that age. So it just looked like a hunk of like they say, even say in the movie a hunk of meat. That's moving, yeah. but but seeing it again, just the idea of a separate set of lungs just functioning there on their own is 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 truly disturbing. I mean, it's uh, and the guy and our hero, who it's funny in a way, he almost sounds like like a like a, a naysayer, like you know, uh, in a in a way. I, I, I he's don't, like a he's like a luddite. Only I mean, it's just like I think humans are just I, I prefer humans just the way they are. You know, don't give me any shots or, or anything like that because that would alter my body chemistry. That's what I expected. That's what I expect to hear this guy say. I don't want any LASIK surgery to make my eyesight better. I mean, I keep waiting for something that stupid to pop out of his mouth there there is an i can understand that dialogue back in the 60s yeah yeah i i think nowadays there would be like variations like i tell you what if somebody was sitting there 
and somebody needed a set of lungs for uh, for uh, an emer- emergency surgery, they, they they'd lost their lung or lost a lung. Oh yeah. I mean that kind of thing. It's like now they do it all the time. They replace parts on people. They they give people the, somebody else's heart. They do this, that, and the other. But this is this is already almost immediately given us a sense of creepiness by our. Our, our scientist who's involved with this and our hero, it's sort of easy to say the stuff that the hero is saying when you very quickly learn that the scientist that's doing this is is rotten. Not only is he rotten, he's like beyond nuts. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a Dr. Frankenstein. He's a monster maker. Oh, yeah. Dr. Frankenstein, I've got a hell of a lot more respect for. This guy would murder, kill, um, uh, uh, tell people that their function was to die, uh, yeah. had, a, had a bunch of people in a room that were all bad that didn't his his scientific oh, experiments didn't go room well. Of, the room of failed experiments is insane. Well, the guy the guy is showing our hero near the end of the film. He's like, you know, you took me on a tour of your spaceship station, and before I kill you, I mean, this guy's way worse than Blofeld. You know, explaining to James Bond, you know, how you're not supposed to, you know, don't sit there and tell your hero everything yeah. you're doing. He goes beyond it. Not only does he show him his successes, he even shows him his failures. It'd be like if Blofeld brought Sean Connery and, you know, Donald Pleasant, come here, Commander Bond. I want to show you our, our where the plumbing well, isn't working well, one properly. Of the, one of the neat things about this is because, you know, the, the whole idea of, cre- you know, being able to create new organs that could be transplanted into people if they're, you know, if they have uh, some kind of heart valve problem or, if, you know, a, a lung problem or anything like that. Of course, the reason this is in this movie is because that was uh, the first the first heart transplants and things like that were were big news in the mid 60s when they were writing yeah. this sucker up. Oh, yeah. So what what so what you have here is a very uh, timely idea that's very much on the mind of people paying attention to the news and you know by by ramping it up into the science fiction realm and and kind of picturing the idea that you know well decades in the future we'll be able to you know grow you a brand new you know liver or whatever in the hell uh it's 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 kind of it's once again it's and it's indicative of the of the time in which the film was made and also the time in which it's attempting to depict where you have this futuristic version of what's going on right then in the mid-60s. And it's also kind of interesting that their version of what a debate would be about this advanced type of scientific or medical knowledge would be that uh, there would be people who would be against, you know, having uh, an organ transplanted into them. And it's like... Yeah, well, now that we're here in the 21st century, I don't see a lot of that going on. Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, you know, we, we, we've had it, you know, once you've had it for a few decades and you're like, yeah, heart transplants work. If they could do the lung transplant, I would, you know, yeah, I'm good with that. And so I don't see a whole lot of public outcry against it, but it seems very much uh, a given that there would be some kind of, uh, you know, ongoing debate about the the rightness or the correctness of putting an artificial something into someone's body it's like no no i, I could use i could use a new one i'm good Keep well I, do that. I think that this guy though this uh, what's our scientist evil scientist name i forget I've seen oh nuri dr nuri nuri yeah i should remember that because it's like a vampire's real name you know but uh uh nermy he's sort of um he comes right out of the gate, though, as being beyond the normal. Like, hey, we're a doctor, and we can give you a heart transplant. It, yes, it's a strange thing to think of, but it will save your life. Somebody's gone. They got in a car crash. Their heart's still good. You know, the family yeah. will that the science. We're going to save you with it. 
if anything, this is a good thing. I, I would agree with that 100%. But Nermi comes out of the gate as kind of a freak. He's like, a creep. Uh, and he's it's because... a creep right at the very beginning. And people uh -huh. are missing. And by the way, I wanted to say something real quick about the very opening. Very opening, and given the fact that this is 66. The very first thing you see when the letters, words, Wild Wild Planet zap into your face is these this little this miniature. And it reminds me with the, the purple sky and everything, which I, I thought that was kind of a cool touch. Even the even the city's creepy. They never show it in broad daylight. You know, they show people around the swimming pool in broad daylight at the end, but the, but, but the whole thing always seems to be taking place just after sunset. And those buildings remind me so much of the episode of Star Trek called Court Martial. Remember, remember oh, yeah. that that purplish look and really neat buildings. Uh, uh, some 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 good miniature parts to it. Some of them. One thing these guys need to learn to do is get the camera to the goddamn ground. Put it on the ground so that you're you're at the level that human beings would be seeing these buildings. But they photograph them from you know above and they always look like toys. And then you've got this one helicopter that's there spinning on the pad and it's wobbling all over the places. They should have gotten some <laughs> some tape. Somebody get over there and get some gaffers tape and tape that damn little toy helicopter down and one of the spaceships is kind of tilted at an angle yeah. and all this sort of stuff and it's like you know is that thing actually going to launch properly with it you know off oh, by and, five and then when it launches uh every time i see the one of those rockets launch like that i'm like shit are they about to catch the whole thing on fire yeah uh, and, and they do that and uh you know they're i i don't know i i, I still like seeing that but um later in the film there's a one building called uh, 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 Proteo, the Proteo Hall, where they're doing the dances that our villain kind of says. Oh that yeah, 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 gives the auditorium, yeah. I swear, you tell me. There's a scene at uh, at a I don't know if it's like what you call a spaceport, an airport, whatever it is, where the villains are there and they go and they're looking for a letter or something, and they go and the building that was used for the proteo for the dance hall was the same thing was the letterbox. Like in other words, when they pull the letters out, it's got that same swoop at the right, top maybe. that the proteo does, and I said, you got to be kidding me. I mean, did they just take one of their miniatures and turn it into a, you know? Uh, oh, it, it, it's a, it's a possibility. Remember, they they did not have a whole lot of money to make these things, and the 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 way that it was feasible financially to do it was that they were literally making two of them at the same time. Uh, they had two separate scripts, and what they what they would do is they they from what we've read they would color code the clapperboards, uh -huh. uh, so that when they were shooting, uh, they knew which film this scene was for. Right. And then uh, that made it, you know, so that they could edit the movies together properly after the fact. And so that way you used uh, all the same sets, all the same miniatures, all of that, all the same costuming for four separate films. Yeah, uh, gotcha. Smart, you know, smart move. Yeah. There, it's funny. It's almost you almost kind of wish. Hey, guys, instead of doing this as a, as four movies, why don't you keep going and just do this into a TV series? Well, there was talk at the time that that's what these might have been. Is uh, the idea may have been uh, for these to originally have been television, uh, TV movies or TV, you know, chopped up into episodes and done for television. Uh, but they were suitably pleased enough with them that they decided to release them theatrically. And uh, they, you know, because of how low budget they were in the first place, they they made a lot of money. Yeah, another thing this movie reminds me a bit of too, and this is all part of that whole kitsch era, was uh, Rump Truil. 
the uh, German show, which also is around 66. Star Trek 66 with this thing, the, the, this movie around 66, and Rump Truil, uh, which I know you've seen that before, right? You've watched that now, show. Now, what is this? Rump Truil was a show... Uh, it's okay. Get get this. Okay, it's nineteen. I'm going to give you a description. It's 1966, and it's about a giant starship that's going through the universe with an international a, a crew that go and solve problems. What would you call that show? Um, Star Trek. Go with Star Trek. Yeah. Right. Well, the Germans were doing their own, and for a half a season, it was a thing called Space Patrol. We've been trying to see. I mean, Tim Lucas knows about it, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I love it. It's a kitschy show. It's a spell got, this. What is? What the hell is this? Uh, it's called. Um, uh, I'm going to try to spell it as best as I can. Okay. R a u m p t r o u i. Yeah. And it's and I think it means like space. Yeah, kind of like space patrol. Yeah, it's like space patrol, and um, it's it's pretty fun. Um, it's it's it was shot in Germany, which is weird, which which weirds me out because I was living there at the time, and I thought. And one thing about Germany, back then you didn't hear too much about science fiction in Germany. It was kind of still considered for the little kiddies and stuff like that. Um, Let's let's clue people in because this is you know new information for me as well. Let's let them know this is a a German produced television series, uh, kind of known as Space Patrol if you translate the title, uh, often called Orion Spacecraft. Yeah, uh, it's a black and white series that enjoyed a cult status for decades. First broadcast on ARD there in Germany. Uh, was incredibly highly rated and therefore often referred to as a street sweeper. In other words, it was one of those series that essentially people made time and just like immediately went home to go watch. Um, but it only lasted a half a season. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird. But here's the thing. One, if you watch this, you will get you will look at it and go, yeah. And we've also got Jerry Anderson's UFO and that kind of vibe with that show. It's like it's got the budget of some uh, like of Doctor Who, like halfway between Doctor Who and UFO. But there are some things like, look, there's neat designs in it and everything. Like that. The soundtrack is gorgeous. Listen, when you get a chance tonight on YouTube, go and play the opening theme to it. It's okay. very kitschy. It's very like like a UFO kind of a thing, but. They show a control panel, and you know how you take objects like special effects guys go in and they go do kit bashing where they tear something apart and then they build something else out of it, like a tank will be yeah. used to build a yeah, control panel. On this show, there's an, an iron, uh, uh, like you iron clothes with, there's an iron on the, the control panel, and it's an iron. It's like it's there's an iron with I don't think I think it might not have the cord and everything, but it's got that whole that whole wedge in the front and the handle going up and the dial on top of it. That's a goddamn iron right there on the thing, but it's 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 just cool. It's a cool show. I I, I want so badly for somebody in the United States to to bring it here and do a Blu-ray or a DVD release or something just so that I yeah. can have it. But I've watched some of them on YouTube. The problem is, if I remember correctly, the last time I tried to watch, which is I started learning about the show actually a decade ago. I was 50. I'm going to be 60 this year. And that's when I first heard about it, is uh, that the um, that the the episodes they, they some people would post them up there but they didn't have subtitles and they weren't and they weren't dubbed either so it was like oh uh, okay uh, yeah I'm really I, I got some of it but but it reminds me almost uh, it reminded me in some ways the production values reminded me of early Doctor Who 
and you know, God knows, I love early Doctor Who, so that ain't a problem. But yeah, but uh, yeah, it's got the it's got a bit of that kitsch. It's got that UFO Wild Wild Planet kitsch to it. So I I highly recommend you investigate it. I really uh, need to. Uh, this this is intriguing because uh, I'm reading this says even if the show seems rather eccentric and comical today, it should be remembered that the statement of uh, Dietmar Schoenar, uh in an interview he said it was meant quite seriously at the time, even if it was not it, even if it was not meant without humor. Oh yeah, I need to see this. And also, this is interesting. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what the full story is, but at least one thing I'm reading here is that one of the reasons why. Uh, it may have been ended after seven episodes. Oh, seven episodes. Jeez, I didn't realize Yeah, there it was were only short. seven. Uh, uh, wow. <laughs> said that uh, the series was assumed to have fascist traits, and a continuation of the series uh, was banned for this reason alone. Well, they were sensitive back then. Yeah. Personally, I, mean, reason, I didn't yeah. see the fascist act aspect of it, but then. I don't know. I'd have to watch it again now with that piece of information in my head. But, I mean, to me, the good guys were the good guys. The the commanders yelling at each other and all that kind of stuff. The bad guys were the bad guys. It was fairly clear cut. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so it, it, it reminds me a bit of Wild Wild Planet. Let, I'll put, jot that down, and, and who knows? Let's do some investigating when we're when Yeah, we I'm going to have to uh, see if there's any, uh, any yeah, way to see this stuff. Yeah, uh, Tim. Tim, Tim and I've talked about it before. Tim. Tim posted it even uh, one, like once or twice on Facebook. I think discussing having watched it and stuff. But it, it needs a, a United States release. I don't care. There's some of the some of the garbage that gets released and restored and everything like that. They can they can do that with this for goodness sake. You know. You would think so. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but anyway. So we, <laughs> go ahead. So we're so well, we've got we've got Mr. Uki and we got Mr. Good Guy. Now he's got this loudmouth drunk girlfriend. Who, uh, who <laughs> hold on a minute, loudmouth drunk girlfriend. I'm gonna have to step in and defend the character played by Miss Gastoni. It, Thank it you was very a joke, much. but I am right. Still, she's drinking and she's trying to piss the commander off her, her quote unquote boyfriend. And in well, she's and Mr. clearly had enough of his bullshit. <laughs> I mean, that's, well, I mean, that's the I attitude mean, she's giving off. Well, it's but like, it, would it be here. bullshit or would it be a guy who really is a commander of a freaking space station and probably doesn't have time for a, for a serious relationship. Well, that's the debate. And what I like about this film is it doesn't present you with enough information to make you, in this particular debate, fall on one side or the other. Yes, I it, like yes it does. Yes, it does. And I'll well, tell you it, why. I'll tell you why. Okay. There's a scene with them in the uh, in the dance hall or whatever, and that's once again another scene because they do dance scenes in Romp Truil, by the way, too, that are that are similar and just as kitschy, actually kitschier even. And uh, she's there, and she's brought she's br- she's glad to come with Nermi to see the commander. So the question is, who's okay, and let's, and let's explain. Nermi has spotted her and essentially thinks she's like the most perfect female specimen he's ever seen. Yeah. I mean, I don't. And, he, and he's about, and he's about as and he's about as warm and romantic. <laughs> yeah, he's as, a Vulcan. Yeah, he's yeah, uh, exactly. actually he makes Vulcans look warm. But but he's sort of uh, the thing is is that I mean his choice is a woman who is is obviously glad to try to make her boyfriend jealous. 
True. Very and, true. And so when that happens, she's sitting there and she goes, I like being treated like a lady. And even the, the, the Nermie saying weird crap like, you know, I don't believe men should necessarily in the modern world hold a chair, pull a chair out for a lady and all that kind of stuff. So what do you think, Commander? And then she goes, I like you know, slurring with her alcohol. I, I like <laughs> uh, being treated like a lady. Well, of course, ladies like being treated like ladies. I like treating the ladies like ladies. You like treating like ladies. But what happens is she's playing this situation, and as soon as the crap gets really serious, and the commander who is listening to her, not being mean, not berating her, but he, they go, Commander, we've got a serious emergency. He jumps up to run, and she goes, oh, oh, oh wait, come back, proving that the whole time she was pulling some crap. Oh, she was definitely pulling some crap, and I don't think there's any way to read the scene any other way. No, of course not. Yeah. But, oh, but before I'm, we get before we zip past this, let's point out that uh, the guy who's playing Commander Mike Halstead is uh, actor Tony Russell. Yeah. Now Tony Russell uh, is kind of an impressive guy because uh, you may not have seen him in a lot of movies, but I guarantee you've heard him because he was one of the premier English language dubbers working in Italy for a long time. As a matter of fact, he was the founder and president of the English language, English language dubbers association in Italy. And he, uh, basically, uh, you've heard his voice in a blue bajillion movies and just didn't know it. So. Right. Well, well, let me ask you something about this in this movie. The voice that we're hearing in there—is that his actual voice? Yes. Oh well, he's got a good voice. He's a good-looking man. Oh, I he mean, is. That's a, yeah. that's a that's a guy. That's a man. I mean, and uh, I saw well, photographs. What did you say? Call him Brick Square Jaw or whatever. Oh, I always, you know, Jerry Judd Jaw. You know, uh, uh, Cliff Cleft. You know, Cliff Cleft Chin. I don't know, whatever. I mean, like you know, it's one of those things where you look at the guy and go, "Boy, they picked a good guy to be our hero." You know, visually, he's just, yeah. you know, uh, and uh, and I liked him. He had a good personality. Um, the whole thing with him and his girlfriend. You know, by the end of the film, they work it out, kind of thing. But. That's the world of people being in love or in a relationship with somebody who's really got a lot to do. Like yeah. has, and in his case, he got a lot of responsibility. Got a, well, in his case, I would consider it a massive responsibility. And she wants to have him be able to take the weekends off, and you know, and oh, let's go to let's go to the cabin. You know, hey, look, I got you know, there's there's guys you know uh, miniaturizing people into GI Joes, and and there's like kids being grabbed <laughs> and shit like that. I got stuff to do, hon. You know, I'm sorry, and 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 you know, and then they get in their pedal car and then they drive around yelling at each other. Now let's hey, talk about what do you think? What do you think of those cars? Yeah. Well, that, that was my question. I, I love the look of them. They're yeah. so cool. But I wonder if they were either a. I don't think they were an electrical vehicle like a go kart back then. Maybe they were. But I you know, wonder I if, if they, they were, were pedal cars. I, I looked at it and saw. And well, I, they weren't I, pedal cars. No, they were. They were. They de- definitely were. Were. Uh, they had engines. I don't know. I don't think they were electrical. I think. I think you know they that? definitely how, had. How do you know they had some kind of thing that moved it without the people? Because I mean, what? Who? Somebody tell you that? Did you read that someplace or something? I don't know. The the, the especially the uh, there were a number of cars like that built in the '60s. You can even see some cool photographs of uh, Leonard Nimoy and uh, William Shatner 
posing with them on, in parking lots. If well, those are kit, those are kit cars in the United States. Yeah. I mean, I lived in Europe. I mean, we saw stuff like the Incredible, the Isetta, the I, the BMW, the Isetta, mm-hmm. the three that looks like a three tired car. Where, I mean, our our neighbor who was an Air Force captain, uh, you 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 got out of the car by stepping out through the front. You open the door. Oh, wow. the, the steering wheel went out into the atmosphere. I mean, it literally was on a pole on the door, and then you open the door and you stepped out of the front. And it, it had four tires, but it looked like three. So when I'm oh, watching wow. this, as slow as they're going, I'm wondering if we're talking about just a shell put on top of a pedal car because it might have been easier than putting it on an engine. I mean, uh, you know, when they, when they, when they showed the close-ups of them, I noticed they were always going downhill. You know. not, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't think that the vehicles had uh, a particularly large amount of power. I think that they, uh, from what I understand, the uh, the engines involved were along the lines of the kinds of engines that would have been on a go kart or a, a lawnmower. You know, right. it's, it, these things did not have a lot of power, but they uh, the uh, p- p- picture uh, Volkswagen engines essentially. Uh, and from what I understand, that's kind of how they were laid out. You know, the engines were in the back. Uh, the, well, uh, they look good. I especially like the one. Let, let's get into a little bit of plot here. At the same time, uh, uh, people are being grabbed, kidnapped all over the place. I mean, like by yep. the by the thousands, right? Wasn't it thousands by the time the story starts or something? It's, it's, it's quite a number to the point where it's become a massive news story. Yeah, I would have said after ten people in a in a in the real world got ca- kidnapped from one one area, that would be a thing. This is thousands of people in the neighboring areas and all that kind of stuff. And but there's this one scene where uh, this uh, bouffant haired dude looking evil lady and her little bald sidekick. Now this is a guy that's got a super cheap raincoat on, and he's got uh, he's got a hat that's reminiscent of one of the guys from the Empire in the Star Wars films. But his head is shaved completely. I mean, he's got the hat on, but it's one of those things where you can clearly tell that he's bald because the hat sits high up on his head. And he's got a black pair of sunglasses. Well, he gets up close to this one scientist that's getting out of his vehicle, and they come up and they wrap around him. You're not really sure what you're seeing yet. And they wrap around him, and, and, and they're trying to basically shrink him. Well... Unfortunately, what they don't realize is his granddaughter is nearby playing as he's been dropped off in front of his house. The guy uh, is in mid, mid, being shrunk. He's about halfway at half size. And the granddaughter yells and screams, oh, gosh, grandfather. And the girl, the woman with the bouffant hair turns around and oh, strangles her. I mean, just. I know. So you, it, it, I, this is. There's some disturbing stuff in this movie. When I discussed this movie with Adrian, Adrian has the information in front of him about the uh, the way it was released in Britain uh-huh. theatrically, yeah. and uh, kids could not go see this movie. Yeah, I mean, they, so we Brits debated. were more sensitive about. I mean, the whole hammer thing and all that. We could easily go see yeah. him. And uh, well, the thing is, he strangles her, but the but the guy, the guy gets shrunk to halfway and lives. The daughter, the granddaughter, is killed. Now I'm going to jump ahead here real quick, just because I got to okay. get this out now. I'm watching this movie. I, I, as as Rodney knows, people, I had a hard time locating my copy of this film, which I purchased, you know, about five years ago, and it played over and over again. Well, all of a sudden, we're going to do this show, and I can't find it. Well, I finally find it, and I watched it. Damn it, I'm watch, I watched it four times in a row in the last in the last few days, and I also paid for it too. So I could watch it, you know. I mean, I, I went to bed and it was running, and I'd wake up and it was running. You know what I mean? So 
at the end of the film, here's this guy. He's been half shrunk because they wanted to miniaturize him down and steal his body and take it up to the space station. Right. They they shrink him down and it only goes halfway. The guy who's doing the shrinking screwed up, so the woman did basically disintegrates him in their weird chemical way that they disintegrate him. At the end of the film, they are at a bar at a swimming pool, and the little guy walks by, and all our heroes do is point at him and laugh. Yep. And it's yes, like this guy has lost his granddaughter. He's, he's, you know, he's the deal with the fact it's his own child, which he's the person that would take the brunt of, oh, my God, what happened? His granddaughter, who now he's got a grieving daughter or something, or parents or whatever. And they're pointing going, ah, look at the tiny man. It's funny. And he, <laughs> and he looks at him and he, as he steps, as he's able to go under the bar without having to duck and he goes it's really amazing it's really actually very interesting and they go ha, 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 and that's the way the movie ends i don't know who the hell <laughs> thought of any of that as being uh, you know what i mean it's like you kind of think about it oh, it's like well i mean that's just it they're looking for you know they want to end the film on an up note <laughs> and it's like man that is cold. whether they acknowledge it or not that is a dark up note that is cold it reminds me of um what's the scene in um uh uh, uh the uh, the hangover where the uh, the 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 guy, what guy was so funny the asian character and he's looking at he's looking at the one one guy on the show and he goes he's funny he's funny cuz he's fat and it's like and it's like it's like this guy's funny it doesn't matter what his situation was that he lost his granddaughter he's he's screwed for life yeah, I mean, and everything like that yeah. he's funny cuz he's tiny you know it's like yeah and that's it mackerel. Yeah. oh here's another question too okay so well let me let's go back to where we are so the cars are cool looking in that scene some of that stuff is shocking there's even another scene where uh brian brickjaw's sister calls him because uh this guy uh, this baldy another version of baldy and this other bouffant lady that have been going around grabbing people uh yep. tried to grab uh the the commander's sister's child mommy mommy <laughs> And then so now away. this threat, now this threat is in his family. For God's sake! Well, he didn't even believe her at first. Ah, you're full of. I know. Crap. Well, it's a woman. She's hysterical. You can't believe a word they say. Okay. Once again, the 1960s. Thank you very much. Right. So, uh, you know, so they, uh, they, it ends up that yes, it's true. But anytime that they have to try to either a get away from you or they fail in their mission there's this little device on their lapels they pull off and they poke the other person with it or themselves and they disintegrate beyond disintegrate there's no smoke there's no dust there's no nothing it's just it just doesn't yeah. you just don't exist anymore it's like they popped a balloon what we find out in the middle of this and I do not remember this as a child I I, I don't know why but I love it having seen it all these multiple times in the last decade is the fact that the guy with the crappy raincoat has got a second, uh, an extra set of arms. He's got grafted arms, uh, so he's got four arms. And are they handled at the level of some modern prosthetics and some modern science fiction movie or CGI or or the Martians in John Carter? No, of course not. It's no, a little not. tiny, teeny tiny. But it's still pretty damn cool. When these guys it go is, on yeah. the attack, they've got a, a fake pair of arms that are hanging on the lower half, and then this upper pair they're charging at you with. I got to do some artwork from this one of these days, but and they're being well, let's well, let's talk about the movie poster art because I got to tell uh, you, I, I, it's 
It's amazing. Well, I want to push for somebody. I know that some of these companies um, say, hey, we'll take suggestions for films you'd like to see done. I mean, I've heard, I think Kino said it. I think Shout Factory said it. And I thought about it. But here would be the one thing. I would have normally said, if possible, I would like to do the cover. There's no point. This, no, this the artwork is, is amazing. The, the artwork is gorgeous. It exaggerates a bit. You know, the guys with the forearms look a little bit better than they do in the film. There's some kind of a space-suited guy with two heads inside the space helmet. Uh, yeah. I don't remember that in the film. Uh, you know, but the, the poster, I said, I, I re, even when I said that, I, I think I was saying something to Linda uh, the last day or two. I said, I want to suggest that somebody does, and I get to do the poster. And I said, and I, I, I get to do the cover, and I'm like, you know what? The answer is going to be we don't need to, and I don't blame them. No, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I'm not sure who the artist is. It's probably somebody who I I know their name, but uh, looks like it was done with gouache on on illustration board or something. But they did a fantastic job. They did an absolutely fantastic job on it. I mean, as a matter of fact, you could make a another movie from that poster on on top of it. <laughs> yeah, you could actually. But yeah, um, yeah I love it. Um, so. What we're finding out is that people are being kidnapped, uh, people are being miniaturized, the people that are being grabbed, and we start to get an idea that they're going up to this uh, planet called Delphus. Uh, and guess who's going there after uh, being mad at the commander for a while? His loudmouth drunk girlfriend is going <laughs> up to the planet. I mean, she's going to go, and what does she do? She is not on that planet for more than about she doesn't even get to her. She's like five apartment. minutes. Oh, I don't even think it's five. It's like two. And she goes, well, I'm tired and everybody's acting weird and staring at me and stuff. I think I'm going to go ahead and take a shower. And she turns the shower on and it uh, blood comes pouring out. Now, I've had discussions and you can even call them micro arguments with people. It's like there's no, it's never said that that was blood, but the woman screaming kind of proves it. If it was, if it turned out later, she goes, Oh my God, what happened? Well, it's just a red liquid. It's just that the water on this planet has a red, has a red tinge, has a red tint, yeah. but, but it's like, no, she was screaming. It was blood because it was like some kind of biological liquid. That's all over the planet. By the way, I want to mention one more thing uh, on the trip to the planet. Uh, I think the special effects department probably could have made a little bit of a better sphere than that lopsided Play-Doh ball of a planet that they made. <laughs> Did you see how, like, it's it's got, like, on one side it's kind of pressed. <laughs> yeah, in. yeah. It's like they went, oh, that's, ah, that's close enough. Made by the same guy that made the helicopter that wobbled all over the pad. And well, I mean, here's, here's, where, we, here's where we diverge on uh, what I would prefer to see done, which is what I want is I want more clarity in the dialogue about this, quote-unquote, planet Delphus. It's like, okay, first of all, there isn't a planet Delphus in this system. So what you're talking about is either a moon, some kind of artificial uh, artificial station, space station. It's something like that. So if, if we're going to keep referring to it as a planet, I'm going to start I'm going to start throwing dead people out the airlock. So <laughs> well, the question is, the question is, do they actually say? Do they say it's within our solar system? Well, no, they don't. But at the same time, well, I mean, if we're, well, if we're you, venturing outside our solar system now, 
Well, you that's, and I, but you and I are deal. smart, dude. We are we are in 2021 talking about what we we really truly have it burned into our brains. Um, what okay. what, the, yeah, what right, these distances right. really represent? Back then, it was like get in the rocket ship and we'll be at Alpha Centauri. I mean, remember Lost in Space? I yeah, mean, it was like right. they're going to Alpha Centauri and all that. Like, How many years are you? Robinson's going to be asleep. I mean, you've got this, you've got this, these guys, and they're using, and the guys in this movie are using, like, uh, uh, liquid. They're using liquid fuel. It's like, okay, we're going to the planet. Hey, look, there's Delphus. That only took about uh, about five hours to get here. It's yeah. like, what kind of liquid fuel are you guys using? Uh, uh, and they're yeah, there, mean, and really then they wild. get to this. Where, where is the space warp? Where is the, the, the wormhole you're using to get to this place? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, Delphus which is i think it's a greek term meaning lopsided which is appropriate <laughs> they get there it's like a big orange ball of play-doh which i you know which once again you know at least they got the color sort of in the general vicinity of a planet that would be covered with a biological liquid similar to blood it reminds me kind of in the vampirella comic that that blood flowed everywhere uh, yeah. you probably wouldn't even consider it blood in the in the traditional fashion it was like a, a biological liquid and, and so when they do that this is what really weirded me out as a child is the fact my god because there's a scene where everything's blowing up and there's there's this blood flying all over like giant oceans full of blood and and there's a a, a, a scene where we find out our villain's ultimate plan which is pretty creepy but but even where they've got him and our heroine uh or is either heroine or, or loudmouth drunk girlfriend uh, you can either title will work uh is that there's this ocean there's this giant pool of blood that they're they're walking around in front of and it's like it's 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 it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's things as we don't but they're so creepy that the creep factor actually hurdles me past. I don't need a super explanation for this. I don't need it to be that believable. This is so weird that I give it the thumbs up anyway. You know, well, the, if you're if you're talking about the swimming pool full of you know biomass, liquid biomass that's in this thing, yeah. which is just a disgusting image. I, first of all, I I, lo- I love it because. This is in this entire what 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 is it? We just call this whole planet his his mad scientist lab, I guess. Okay. It's like, well, what 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 is he gonna? What is he? Where he's gonna start? He's he's like rendering all these people down the the useless ones into this giant biomass to use to create his four armed clone people and his bouffant headed chicks to go you know go abscond with the the intelligent people that he wants for this for his various experiments and it's like yeah he's just going to store it in a giant swimming pool what the fuck else would he well, it's, it's sort of weird. I love it. It's he amazing. Throws, he, he takes chopped up body parts and throws it in. And he tells our hero once he's got him on the planet, he's like, you're going to be going in there, you know, here in a minute. And and you look at it and you just go, it, it has a creep factor. I mean, we're not talking about a gothic horror film. We're not talking no. about – we're talking about something that for me was, uh, was pretty different, uh, more in line with some of the um, – Oh, uh, the you know the, the the same way you look at something weird like uh, uh, Richard Gordon's Fiend Without a Face and go a flying brain with a spinal cord wrapping yeah. around people that is weird it's so weird that everybody loves it 
And well, it's so weird you can't take your eyes off of it. Yeah, and I'm like the 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 reality factor is gone. The fun factor is right in your face, and that's the way I feel about this too. I mean, our 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 heroes are are fighting. You know, they're all macho guys, and they're punching the bad guys when they finally do their escape plan. Their escape plan is really stupid. Do the turn of the commander. It's like you're gonna, <laughs> and 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 when we find out that is that the villain's plan is to merge as to one being with uh, with the ultimate woman in the universe who just happens to be a loud mouth a lush and a loud mouth <laughs> to form the ultimate person is like is like when you hear that and then the guys are standing there now first off I will tell you this if I'm standing there and the woman that I love even if I'm having an argument with her at that time even if we're having a little bit of a trouble if a guy is standing with a wild stare behind me and saying I am fixing to merge my body with hers permanently we are going to morph into one being she has no choice you have no, you're going to die in a few minutes I don't think I could have stood there the way our hero stood and just kind of took it he didn't even look up he was just taking it in and I was like at that moment, I would have spun around and 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 killed him. I mean, I would have turned around. I mean, this is be you know a little serious for such a, a silly plot, but I would have turned around and I would have throttled that guy before anybody could have helped him. It's like you ain't gonna merge with anybody when you're completely and totally dead because I'm gonna break well, your head on the floor. I understand where you're coming from because let let's be honest. This this character is a truly memorable villain, man. He's like yeah, he's part Ernst Blofeld, part Doctor Frankenstein. He's he's very he's, he's very devil devil looking. He looks yeah. he looks devilish. The actor did a really fine job. Um, I I think that that him doing that though, you know, and then later, you know, a few minutes later, all the good guys they. Okay, put them all in one room, and there's this room with all the the, gla- the mirrors and all this kind of stuff, which re- re- represents the infinity that's going to happen from the science, the evil scientist dream. And then the, even his guys are like, Commander, what are we going to do? They're fixing to turn your girlfriend into, well, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. It's something really messed up, Commander. Uh, well, yeah, what and that's, kind of, what, that's kind of a plan? direction I wanted to take the conversation here is one of the things that, makes this movie one uh, it's easily my favorite of the four of the Gamma One films and the reason for it is this one has the maximum amount of horror elements within it while still being you know science fictional horror stuff I mean because man this this is some this is some futuristic Joseph Mengele shit I mean this is a crazy scientist doing biological experimentation I mean he's he's aiming to create a master race even though he's crazier than your average mad scientist, because to him the the creature he's trying to create will actually physically embody him. It's nuts. Yeah. It's uh. It's dark. It's got some nasty I stuff. Have, you in look it. at you look at Colin Clive and Frankenstein, and you still see a man whose passion got out of control, and you still have sympathy for him. You never. You, at first, you don't know what you're looking at the first you know, 20 minutes of this movie with our villain. But when yeah. you really get to a certain point, you're like, this guy this guy is, can't even be called scum. He, scum is too nice a word. This guy is uh, – what's the word where you – like if you kill somebody, but you're, you're so completely without 
it's not passionate. It's just uh, there's a word for it where everything is sort of uh, 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 it was like what they used to used to call Dick Cheney. I forget what it was. It was like uh, where you <laughs> where you where you do stuff. And it's like this. It's no different than turning on a light switch. You know that that, that you do something horrendous. Uh, I forget the term. I used to use it all the time. But anyway, um, this guy is like that. He totally believes he's he's justified in what he does as long as he reaches his achievement, no matter how many. And we already know this is the case. Thousands of people that he has killed, people, uh, you know, uh, children that he has killed, children that have been killed because of him, uh, yeah. uh, uh, people that are, that are that are in rooms with their bodies completely mutilated and mutated. Uh, he totally is like, you know, uh, this is what's going to happen, and and he says this: I'm ultimately doing this for the for the benefit of mankind, and it's like, dude, and he seems to believe that too. Well, he believes it, but then he'll. He'll, he'll turn around it's and motiv- say, it's don't get me wrong it's motivated reasoning but he seems to believe it nevertheless yeah he believes it but then we're sitting here looking at him and, he, and he's like you know i am gonna kill you in a minute commander and and all that and it's just sort of like i don't know and then the commander gets mad jumps him and then he goes stand back commander like he's such a snob he's such a snob villain stand oh, yeah. back commander i'd have you Right well, see, now. that's something else that I've not touched on when uh, talking about this film before, and it's something that's, I mean, that's hanging right there, and you just touched on it, which is the way these two, the way the two antagonists within the, okay, you have the good guy and the bad guy. You got Commander Mike Halstead and Dr. Nermy. Right. And the way these two guys are coded on screen, you, 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 could, you could argue that they're coded so that you have, you know, obvious hero, obvious villain. Yeah, yeah, this is true. But beyond that, one of the ways in which they're coded as hero and villain is the villain is a bit of a, an aristocrat. He carries himself as a bit of an elite member of society. Yeah, as said, a matter I of said, fact, I his position... earlier. Yeah, he's a snob. Right. His position... Is he's one of the uh, the owners and controllers of the corporation, always referred to in that way, even though it has a name that's given several times in the movie. Anytime they're talking about him, they talk about him as a representative of the corporation. Right. And it's this uh, this idea that you have the don't, admittedly good-looking, you know, rock-hard abs, he-man, you know, <laughs> he-man woman uh, hater, whatever the hell you want to call him, who's not of that cast. He's not of the upper crust. He's not of the elite. He's a military man who is at several points in the movie to the point where they even lock him up because he's not doing what the uh, his commanders want him to do and he has to escape. You, you, call it, is, you called him a woman hater. Why'd you call him a woman hater for? Oh, to 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 reference your your to re, to reference your the, the I think he's, I think again. I think I don't think he's a woman here. I think he. I don't either. I'm joking. Let me make my larger point, you doofus. <laughs> the idea that he is uh, the he's the representative of the military, and he's also constantly being told that he is at the beck and call of this upper crust elitist uh, mad scientist. And when he bucks that system, when he bucks that established system, he's knocked down, he's locked up, he's told he's, you know, he's he's essentially punished each time. Right. So what we have is they're they're never spelling it out. They're never saying it in the dialogue. They're never, you know, drawing a big bright line. But we have rich aristocrat versus 
normal, you know, normal guy who uh, you can see as uh, having earned his place through some type of individual effort, essentially uh, the the kind of the idea of the merit the, the meritocracy, the the idea of a ma- a self made man versus an aristocrat, right, right, and that plays directly into very easily uh, all the way to today to code hero versus villain. And I love the fact that this is also something that is done constantly in gothic horror movies. And that's where a lot of these elements come from that turn a big portion of this movie into uh, you know, a science fiction horror movie, to be blunt. The elements that make this super memorable are not just the cool special effects, the the, the rocket ships, or even the, the bad guns. special effects. <laughs> well, it, well, it, it, the, the special effects. Period. You know, yeah. rocket ships and ray guns. You right, know, sure. but it's not just that. It's that underlying it all is that gothic horror stuff. Yeah. That the entire edifice is built on, and it and, and to add even more interest. And I'll see. I, I want to see what you think about this because. I don't know if this occurred to you. There's a little bit of the influence of the Eurospy films in this as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, let me first answer uh, you calling me a doofus <laughs> by calling you what you totally deserve to be called. Okay. Shut up, you helium head. Anyway, so <laughs> so ah yes, no, I love I love that I line. They use it twice. They use it like twice within like a like a minute or two of each other. Oh shit! He calls this commander. You helium head. I'm like, could you have come up with something a little bit more? Like yeah, I guess they, yeah. I know they couldn't cuss, but anyway, um, I think I think for me this movie really is, and, and it's it's sort of like the way Alien and Aliens is and time magazine described aliens as and that the whole generator plant the oxygen creating plant there was the haunted house and i think that and i think in this case this is still a gothic horror film set in the bright lights of the distant future it's it's sort of still there's i mean you could watch this would easily go on a double bill with another gothic from Italy, or would go on there. I mean, of course, yeah, we know Planet of the Vampires is 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 an example of a science fiction horror film and a great one too. Yeah. Uh, but then you could put it on there with um, you know another Mario Bava. Uh, you could put it on uh, you know uh, with uh, uh, Black Black Sunday or or Black Sabbath or something like that too, because the horror levels are the same. I mean, it's it's still that whole that whole sort of thing of like something really disturbing is going on here. Our scientist just happens to be from the future instead of from, you know, instead of from uh, you know the past. He's from not, the supernatural of the yeah. supernatural or a Frankenstein, which is still part of the past and everything like that. And um, I, I feel that uh, it's a good balance. They 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 cast. They they cast the movie. Of course, we, you and I talked before when we were doing Django that uh, Franco Nero uh, is the sidekick in the film and would very yep. soon be a lot more famous uh, within that same year or so. But the rest of the cast is pretty well done. Uh, oh yeah. They, uh, you know, um, who, what's what is the name of the guy who plays the film? The actor, not the not the not Nermi. What's what is? Well, I mean, the guy who plays Nermi. What's his name? 
Oh, uh, Massimo Serrat, uh, uh, Serato or Serato, uh, yeah, Serato, Serato or Serato. Yeah, something like that. He is an yeah, he's an amazing actor. Yeah, I've seen him a lot because like when I watched oh, yeah. him the first time I watched this, I said, oh yeah, I mean I've seen this guy. And then I go back and I found out our hero had done a lot of like westerns on American television and stuff before he moved uh, permanently or at least for a very very long time to Italy and then came back later. But I, I think you're talking also a fight amongst uh, class systems, class levels. Uh, yes. It is that our hero, while he is high up in the general world of you know somebody to be respected, he's still a working man. He's still a guy that that has a lot of stress. You've got our our villain, who uh, you know, yeah, Proteo, the Proteo dance hall or whatever it is that uh, I mean he's he, he he puts money in there he does it for nefarious reasons but you know and let's let's not really pretend like you know that what we see in this movie at the proteo is at the level of uh, Swan Lake or anything but it's supposed to give you this sense that he's a man of the arts uh, right, right. and everything and you and you see that and uh, you know it's like when when he's uh, gone upstairs our heroes chased him. He's got one of his uh, bouffant killer women with him, and he's got to get rid of yes. her. I mean, this isn't even a case of getting rid of the body. He gets to, when you kill them, the body immediately evaporates, so you get rid of the body at the same time. And when he runs in there, his commander is in right behind him. Our hero jumps Nermi and is going to throttle him, and the commander jumps in right behind him. He says, stop that just because of this man's status. I mean, he's a scientist. He works for this incredibly huge company and all the kind of stuff. They're working together. He's very well known. And when the when he's questioned by the captain, it's like, hey, I you know, I, I, I'm a contributor here to this place. You know, I'm one of the sponsors. So, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch there's a whole bunch of different levels. Uh, nobody likes to be uh, docked down to. We all hate it. So it's easy to make a villain that does that kind of thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's something we can all relate to. We've had somebody that feels that they're, you know, and uh, but this guy revels in it. This actor and this character revels in the fact that he knows he's better than everybody else. He deserves to get away with everything that he does. What he reminds me of is and this is probably a little bit because of uh, they, they have they have similar uh, facial hair. But he reminds me of the amazing actor who played uh, the master on Doctor Who during the Oh, he was so years. good. Oh, um, now, now that you're going to say it. Yeah, he was the one. Oh, God. Uh, uh, oh, God. I hate when I'm that happens. Thinking. No, I yeah. know it. I, I've drawn his picture. He was the first man. Still the best master as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I agree. I agree. And he... Um, uh, uh, he he died in a he died in a cab, taxi cab crash uh, yep. and everything and that was the beginning of John Pertwee decided he was quitting you know he said uh, you know just uh, Roger Delgado Roger Delgado Roger yeah. Delgado he's, been, he's 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 just fantastic beautiful yeah. great actor loved him and it was, it was but it, he had that ability to immediately make you feel as if he was sneering at you even when the even when the dialogue wasn't indi- it wasn't indicative of any kind of conde- con- uh, condescension at all it's amazing stuff oh yeah this guy uh, does a great job as a matter of fact i remember when i first saw him i went to look him up on the imdb and i was like this is going to be a name that i've heard a whole bunch and i was surprised that it wasn't because this guy did such a good job and reminded me of of different people that i had seen he reminded me a little bit 
of the villain in the French Connection, yeah. uh, uh, that that kind of guy. And I, I I didn't get him mixed up. I knew it wasn't him, but it was still sort of like I've seen this guy as many times as I've seen him, and it was like yeah, I mean it, it was terrific stuff. Uh, they haven't located Normie yet, but I can tell you this: his record is as clean as a whistle. He's a favorite son at CBM. I don't care if he's chairman of the board. Charles, you had an idea. Girls. Flocks of them. And flocks of shipments. Unusual activity. Right. And where were the shipments from? Delphus. And the girls? Delphus. And what is Delphus? You know. Of course. An experimental station. Top secret. Completely off limits and run by... Ken Biomed. CBM. Norman. Mike, it's two way out. It's not ordinary, you mean. You have no proof. I'll get it. And I'll get Nurmi. Headquarters on video, Commander. Well, okay, there's scenes, there's two scenes in the in the film or three with really bad you can call them bad miniatures, but they're not even that they're the miniatures, the physical object itself is bad. It is the guys that are operating them and the speed of the cameras that are running which are at normal yeah so yeah. Uh, there there is a a chase between uh, a bald forehead forearmed villain and a bouffant lady and being chased by the good guys and uh the car the, chase well yeah yeah the, the the pedal car chase and so they uh and and it's funny because they somebody shot at the car or whatever and the the guy gets out and he's patting at the smoke which was just hilarious to me for i laughed when i, I don't know why but then finally one of the cop cars uh, blocks the road and then their little car goes over a cliff in normal speed in other words, and it needed to be slowed. It down, needed to yeah. be slowed way down, and then it crashes, and then there's a fire that looks like it's basically about the size of a. It's it's about a third the size of a fireplace. I mean, it's just like one lick of flame coming off of this, and it's like, you know, when you see real fire, like uh, in an industrial building or something, there's like thousands of flames licking in the air and bunches of smoke. This is like, it looks like a flag. So anyway, there's that. Now. There is the scenes with their little flying vehicle that looks like somebody took grandma's clock on the mantelpiece and and spray painted it bright red and then and then put wires on it and then they just swung it in a circle like maybe there's wires descending from the ceiling off of a bicycle tire and somebody just spun the damn thing. I guess they're supposed to be looking around, but all I can think of is, man, if I was inside that ship, I'd be barfing. I'd be barfing my guts out. You know what? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, that little ship. Yeah, sort of, I know what it's, you're talking it's, about. Yeah. It's 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 ludicrous. Um, I don't understand the the thoughts on physics. Uh, I, I get it. You know, Ed Wood was you know some you know he was off, but God, we love his stuff. But yeah. and the little floppy flying saucers and stuff. But but this movie, you would have thought they would have said, okay, have this thing. Let's let's move it. Uh, you know, around slower, around buildings. If we're supposed to be looking for somebody, or this thing's spinning in a circle, just in a circle, going around and around and around, and I'm like, what? The, what the hell is this? Who who looked at this? Well, the the we're, what we're basically talking about is a, is a, a lack of sophistication about how to film these uh, special effects in a way that uh, allows them to feel like they have real size and weight. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the the special effects are well the miniatures are 
let's see if I can explain this in a way that makes sense. The miniatures are good. The way they're photographed often isn't. Right. Well, I will even say this about some of the miniatures. There is a perception, and this is my artistic sense, that you needed to put more windows in things, more little micro, a few more micro detailing would have helped to believe that people would stand next to some of these objects. Look at some of the buildings and it looks like a jukebox or something. That's okay. I can live with that. But it's the it's the nonsense of 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 and what I mean is the word non and the word sense not nonsense but nonsense of one not filming the, putting the camera close to the ground and looking up at these things which gives you the sense of of this case in point towering inferno that well yeah it gives you it would give you a sense of, it was seventy uh, of, a, of, a, of a large edifice, they're, they're, a, a large building yeah their yeah. miniature was seventy two feet tall put out in the desert and they dug a pit in the ground and put glass over the camera so they could look even from the from the bottom floor to so that you really look like you were looking up at a giant skyscraper it worked perfectly uh, I know they don't have that kind of budget with this film but still put the camera on the ground that's number one and, and that's what we're talking about is a little this my father had a had an eight millimeter camera that you had to hand crank and then you hit the button and then you could film and it came with three speeds and I used to do miniatures with that camera as a little kid you light something on fire you know you get some toys and stuff like that and 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 pour a little gasoline on it, and you you know you light it on fire. Hey, yeah, I'll tell you what. One time, my mom saw me going across the backyard with this big old can of gasoline, getting ready to burn up her rose bushes. I built a diorama in there. She goes, "What the hell?" And and but but even I knew at that God. time you had to speed up the camera to get the flames to lick slow. You know they had to yeah, and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, why did these guys at these? Why didn't they get that one little basic piece? It even happens in in things like time, time and money, man. Time and time money. And money well, it, even, yeah. it happens in a lot of a lot of those films. It happened in uh, 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 Mario Bava's Planet of the Vampires, a film I love dearly. But every yeah. once in a while, you see stuff and you just go, it would just been a quick fix. That's but anyway. So the spaceship's going around, and I got nauseous. Did you know which exactly which scene I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I thought you were gonna point out uh, the 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 special effect from that whole sequence that actually uh, makes me makes me giggle, which is the which which is the car going off the cliff, where it's just like it just really if they just slowed it down, it, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been believable, or it, but it would have been more believable than it is presented at regular speed. Right, yeah. it still would have looked fake, but at least it would have had had the. The, the, the a little bit more weight a little more gravitas to it gravity <laughs> where uh, gravity and yeah exactly it, it would have felt it would have felt more but solid this way also, this way it looks like you've got your 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 slot car and it and it, it went off the track in your in your bed. <laughs> yeah it launched itself off the track because you took the curve too <laughs> oh, fast my yeah. hot wheels yeah i mean it was it was bad i mean my brother and i watched i, I will tell you this i wish i could remember the name of this movie it had gordon scott in it, and it was like a spy some something called Operation Laser or something. You probably know what the hell the name of the right. film is. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I've probably seen it to be honest. Well, yeah. I'm going to tell you something. It's very rare in a film that I will just see something and bust out laughing. But there was a a a, a submarine with a helicopter landing on it, and it was the most bathtub-looking toy bright colored glued together submarine with a very toy looking helicopter landing on it my brother and i were watching it it was streaming off of amazon it was a terrible copy but that thing did the whole job for us it was the beginning it was the middle and the end of a 
big fucking funny joke. And when that thing landed in that little bathtub of a submarine, we looked at each other and just busted out laughing for like two solid minutes. It was that bad. That was way could worse. Be, could be Operation Death Rate. Operation Death Rate. That was it. And God, I love Gordon Scott. He's such a damn cool looking dude. And Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. But that miniature, and people, just watch it for that scene. It's a hoot. Anyway, that's <laughs> way worse than what we're talking about, but this is still pretty bad. I, I, I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. The the, the all the, uh, the the miniatures are are neat, but they aren't well filmed most of the time. Yeah, I mean, and the and the thing is, this is uh, you got to understand that at this point, uh, the the learning process for the the technicians involved in making the special effects in this, which you know, what, part of the team was the director himself, is they're learning this stuff as they go, and they're learning, they're getting better and better. And I will say this. They, uh, they, they continued to be very good. At, they, they, they continued to improve, and they got better and better, I have to admit, sure. to the point where there are movies that Margariti uh, made in the early 80s, late 70s and early 80s, where he's using miniatures, and i got to be honest, they got so good that there are times when it's only because I'm looking for it that I realize brain is that, that some way. of the stuff is a miniature. Your brain huh? is built that way. You're like me. Yeah. There's things in movies that you know could not have been done. There was no way to show a certain thing happening. So your mind is uh, now you're Sherlock Holmes and you're trying to analyze it. Right. But you're suspicious that what you're seeing is a special effect or something. Well, it's like, well, I'll, I'll be watching a movie he made from the early '80s, and uh, and I'm 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 think it was I think it's Ark of the Sun God, which is a, a blast of a film. Uh-huh. And but there's a scene where there's a car chase and a car uh, goes to try to jump uh, over some train tracks, uh-huh. but hits a train and uh, hits like a, a you know a a, tra- a train car that's carrying gas and there's just this humongous explosion yeah and uh it's it's it happens at night so it hides it hides the fact that it's miniatures very effectively but as soon as you see that it's like okay well i know that had to be a miniature for two reasons one uh it, it it's filmed better than you know it's filmed you know they've got a lot more experience by now so they're 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 filming this way better than they filmed the car crash that we're talking about at wild wild planet but at the same time it's like i also know this film did not have the budget to blow up a fucking train yes that, that's that's what i'm talking about the analysis in your head is plus you know you're going to damage the train you're going to rip up the tracks you're going to you know they're right. using this this thing um my problem is when I see stuff like this uh, is that at the same time on on television, Erwin uh, Allen is uh, doing his team is doing really nice special effects on Lost in Space, Land of the Giants, uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea for a television show. They're far superior to the special effects in these films. And then you look at in Britain. You look at the incredible work with people like Derek Meddings working on the children's puppet shows of stuff like Thunderbirds and Captain yeah. Scarlet and all that kind of stuff, and it gets a little frustrating. Now I've grown to just say, look, you know, these movies—they did—they didn't even have the budget on these films that these TV shows had, and these guys were no, they didn't—they were geared yeah. up, but 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 and and so I learned to love them in a different way. But as a kid, it was tougher. I think I think that kind of pushed some kids away from this stuff when they when you would see some of the 
amazing stuff that would happen on Thunderbirds. And it was it was still it was still for the kids, you know what I mean? It was like the rockets would land and a tank car would come out and there would be there would be like gusts of, of uh, exhaust coming out of the back as it you know went along. And I know you've watched that stuff, right? I mean, you, oh, watched I've watched tons of it. I'm I'm working my way through uh, Stingray, the Stingray series right now. Yeah, I mean, and, and one thing about Jerry Anderson as as he went along, those special effects got better and better and better. Oh yeah, yeah. To the point well, his his team, his team, he ha- he had a team that stuck around, and worked with him for you know like almost two decades on this yeah, stuff. Yeah, and you got all the way, you know, so, and so yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a uh, you know, and then even and then later UFO and Space nineteen ninety nine, and I know that people now. I mean, I've seen people. Yeah, Space nineteen ninety nine special effects are terrible in comparison to nowadays, and I'm like, yeah, but no, for I don't live, think that's true. For, yeah, well, I don't think that's true. Well, those, I mean, those, they could do, those space shots are amazing. Yeah, they are, and I think that. That that nowadays you've got such over the top dynamics in in space stuff and special effects. I mean, if you're making a you know more straightforward science fiction movie like Interstellar, but with spaceships traveling at super fast speed and flying in and out of stuff and all that stuff, yeah, it's kind of tough to 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 generate the excitement of a of a large spaceship gracefully going through space. But but that's kind of probably closer to the way it would actually be. You know, I agree. You know, so yeah. I mean, I love all that stuff. I, I wanted to be a miniature uh, special effects guy. I wanted to be a matte painter. There's so many things I wanted to do uh, of that type, and I have a lot of respect for the guys that do that stuff and did that stuff when we were young. Well, that's that, that's a that's a good way for me to wrap this up because what, the way we're discussing Wild Wild Planet and and the fact that we, I mean, can you doubt that we love this movie? But we don't think of this movie as being the same i mean it's a science fiction film but it, it's not of the same caliber of you know you, you mentioned interstellar it's not that level of filmmaking it's also not the level of filmmaking of uh, uh, for, any science fiction film from the 90s for god's well, sake well i but mean at the same we had time, we had movies this country came up with movies like forbidden planet george pal war of the worlds and time machine they had the resources to do it and they had a lot of money behind them uh by the way before we this is this is a budget film yeah before we end this i do have one last thing and i wrote this down as a note i've got to say one more thing about this film kids are getting strangled little children are being kidnapped we we saw one kid attempt to kidnap we saw a little girl get throttled to death they go up to the space station uh, they're, they find their, they find their boss. They find the, the, the loudmouth girlfriend. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they save them. What about all those hundreds of kids or thousands of kids that they said that were grabbed? You saw one kid being examined by a doctor for grafting and all that kind of stuff. Did all those kids, did, did they, they, they were happy. They left. They went back to the swimming pool. Did all those kids die? That's that's an unanswered question. Another unanswered question is, what did they do with the room of freaks? Oh, I would just be like, is anybody looking? Uh, <laughs> just gas just, them. Yeah, or what? Just just dump them in the blood planet. Just dump them. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> dump them in the blood pool. It's like, no, I. I you know what? If, if, let's pretend it's you and me. You and me and I are standing there looking through that window, oh, and <laughs> and I'd look at you and I say, I don't know, that one chick's kind of hot. oh you took it to a place you should never uh, oh you're you're disgusting but she's kind of she is kind of yeah she's kind (laughs) of helium head 
So yeah, I mean the thing is, is that is that there are things that so I guess maybe the rockets landed and we didn't really see them rescue a bunch of people because first I remember the first time I'm like those six people or seven people got away. Did the place completely blow up? Did the children drown? See, that's a great question because the the destruction of the complex, the destruction of this entire mad scientist complex, kind of puts a it, it, it does that narrative thing that 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 happens it's one of the tricks of making a movie which is it makes you forget about all the complicated things that are involved in this freaking freaking you know mad scientist lair it, it, it allows you to go oh okay well everything blew the fuck up so it's all over but it's like wait 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 not all of it seems to have blown up where are the survivors where are the people who were experimented on or just trapped there or reduced in size to the size of a gi joe i mean it's like what what, what are we you know what, 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 let's answer some of these questions and the movie's like no 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 it's we've hit 90 minutes we got to wrap this mother up so i i honestly think that everybody died I mean, except for except for the I leads. Think you, I think so. I think it was this massive. But I will tell you this: massive remember, amount of murder. Remember, remember that Mrs. Kittner in Jaws. I'm going to tell you something right now. If if you know Commander Brickhead was standing there, you know, trying to get his <laughs> his his drunk girlfriend another drink at the swimming pool, I'd walk up. I mean, I wouldn't even be like smacking him like Mrs. Kittner. I'd be putting a bullet in his head. It's like I heard that you, you know, you guys started a fist fight and then everything got blown up and my kid went with it, you know, you know, cap yeah. him right there, you know, watch, watch him fill up his little speedo with shit. <laughs> You're awful happy now, laughing at the, uh, laughing at the midget who lost his daughter, but you know. Yeah, really, cap him right when the the midget should have gone up and come up with a howitzer and blown him across the swimming pool, you know. No, it's very interesting. Get <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> oh Lord! Well, obviously we love this movie, we and love uh, it. it's 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 the kind of it's the kind of thing that I I will admit I've watched this movie so many times it's ridiculous. Uh, and if if we if we have any luck whatsoever, eventually we will get to watch this on a Blu-ray. So. I hope so. I, I I who is out of the out of the uh, uh, Kino Shout Factory, blah blah blah, a few others. Who is the one? There's somebody, one of them that was out there saying, we, we take suggestions. Do you remember who that was? Was um, it like Severin or somebody was like, it will take suggestions? You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I think, I think, I think to a degree, at least through their, uh, their social, social media connections, I think a lot of, it, it did not ring, tr- it did not ring untrue when you said Kino. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Because, um, I, I would really love to see a restored Blu-ray of this. I would be first in line, you know, to go to oh, go yeah. with my you know three other copies that I already own of it on. And who and if and, and, and in Warner, I mean, like I say, Warner Archives, they have it. I mean, Warner has it; it's theirs. That's the, and it's a beautiful DVD. And it's like, my God, man, the, the, I I can think of a number of people who would love to do commentary tracks for a release of this film. Because there's a lot to say about it. I mean, I've podcasted about this damn thing three times now, and it's like, believe me, there's lots to say about this film. And there's, I mean, it's 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 a it's a wonderful experience, and and it would. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know why they've already put the green slime out on on, on Blu-ray, and they haven't done this one. Green slime has the you know the title and the song. I mean, well, people know it. it. it it's got the, it's got the it's got the Japanese monsters in it. it but when you, know, you also say, I, I know you're going to be a hero. Here we go. It, wouldn't you say ultimately? I mean, we love this movie. We really. But yeah. wouldn't you say Green Slime is probably the better film of the two? 
Oh, I would say oh, most assuredly, but it's also the one, like I say, that has that kind of pop culture resonance. It's that somehow manages to stick around uh, because of that, because of that, partially because of the song. Well, it's it's also also because of the speed of the film. I mean, it move it moves like a rocket out of control. It does have a lot of monsters on the attack. It's got a yep. lot of guys flying through space. It's got it's it's it it's pretty pretty energized. And um, I think that this one is too. I mean, it really is. I this, think this, this is one the, this is, is the fastest out. of the four. Yeah. yeah, and I think that um, for me, I know that Warner Brothers uh, gives out licenses to be so. I had somebody go, well, you know, that's a burn. That's their that's part of their library. They're not going to let somebody else do it. Yeah, they do. They, 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 Sometimes yeah, they do. Well, shit. I mean, some of the some of the uh, Warner Brothers stuff that I've done uh, covers for. That 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 was uh, originally Warner Brothers, and then it's it's done over. Yeah, they'll they'll let them do it. Um, uh, license it, 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 it would be great. It would be great for them to do like a, a really just to to work up. Even if all they could do is this one film, it'd be great. But if they could do the three the three that they have rights to, or if somebody really got on the stick and somehow managed to get all four of them, holy crap, sign me up! You know. Yeah, I mean, I would I would prefer to just get it all done in one fell swoop of a nice box set. Uh, like I said, I don't think you'll see Green Slime in the box set because that's MGM, right? Oh no, no, but it's it's Warner Archives as well. They're the ones who released it. Oh, but I think the the lion roars. Well, yeah, I guess the lion roars is the beginning of all of them, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I would. I, we just want this movie. This is all about <laughs> us. I don't care if anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the short form version of this part of the I can conversation. See the Put it out on Blu-ray. The meeting. Well, I, uh, like you, you said you've done three podcasts on this. I've done two. I did yeah. Monster Attack, and I've done this one. And um, I, I'm going to say this too. It's it's interesting with Jim. Uh, we we talked about it. You know, by the time we were done, we were we were spent. It's like we're fine. We said what we had to say. But I'm going to say this: doing it with you and our personality types, plus the fact I get a swear on your show. I bet I bet there's a lot of this that isn't the same as what we talked about. On the other oh well, it's never it's never going to be the same because I mean I don't know about anybody else, but I mean I'm still I I'm, I have a fascination for Antonio Margheriti's films, and so I'm always if I you know I'm always on the hunt for new information about his stuff and new interpretations of his films and just different opinions about it that might make me think about him in different ways, and so no no conversation I, I could talk about this movie again in two months. So how excited were you when you were stuff. watching Inglorious Bastards and and uh, Hans Landa asked them. What their names were, and he goes, Margarete. Were you? Did you? Well, the it, it was kind of spoiled for me because I already knew, <laughs> I already oh, knew that's too uh, bad. Uh, that that they were going to use that name, and also just the fact that uh, uh, Enzo, uh, Enzo Castellari actually had a, a cameo in the movie too. So I was already looking for that. That's too bad. So, but I mean, uh, I, I'm assuming uh, you still enjoy. I, it I will tell lot. you what, what was the shock for me. What was what was the unexpected joy was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. When uh, when when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character ends up in uh, Europe and he makes four movies and one of them is a fake Antonio Margheriti Eurospy oh, film. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that, that's a joy. Uh, I, I've seen I've seen that film. It's now what two and a half years old, two three years old now, and yeah, I am like coming that. on my eleventh viewing already. And I've got well, the book. I, what I, I want to do is I want to watch it now. We, I want to see that longer cut of it. So. Well, I got that. I mean, I, 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 I got the book, 
Uh, I'm about halfway through the book. I'm enjoying it tremendously. Are you going to get that? Have you read that yet? I have not. I have not picked it up, but I intend to. Well, I, yeah. Everything I'm hearing about, about it is impressive. Is that is that he said I'm putting it out as a paperback. I'm not going to do this twenty thirty dollar hardback edition. Yep. I'm doing it as a paperback, and it even has the same kind of page layout of something like Beneath the Planet of the Apes on the cover. It's got three photographs. <laughs> I know. And that text, it looks so much like you want. Even the color of the paper on the cover. It's like, oh my God, it looks like a. Throwback. It looks like an. Uh, it looks like an early seventies. Tr- uh, uh, no, you know, novelization time. Yeah, yeah, but it's good. I, I'll tell you what. I, I, I think you'll really enjoy it. There's some stuff in there that kind of surprised me. There's a lot of film criticism in it too, but there's also a couple of points about the characters, things that are defined and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, whoa. So I think you'll, I think you'll like it. Cool, cool, yep. man. Well, uh, Mark, have you got any projects that you're working on or that you can talk about with us? I've got uh, some action-adventure book covers I'm working on. I won't go into specifics because it's their thing to uh, to, to, to release that. Uh, okay. I've got – let me see. What's my list here? Uh, I've got a couple of um, Blu-rays that will be coming out here soon from one of our favorite uh, Blu-ray companies. Once again, it's their, their call. Uh, I'll probably be doing a cover here real soon for Monster Bash magazine, We Belong Dead magazine. I've got this one. I think you do. I think I said this on the last episode. I've got the uh, Kolchak, the Night Stalker Blu-ray box set cover art that I did for the new release. that's going to be out in October. Uh, I'm so excited about that release because I, I think it's hilarious. It's like uh, you look at the details on the special the special features, and it's there were only ever 20 episodes, and there are 21 commentary tracks. And there's a little bell that went off in my head that says, "Dude, there could be 40 commentary tracks on that set." I can tell you right now that there there's more than enough people to out there wanting to talk about that series to do two commentary tracks on every single episode. Well, I, I want to say this too, and this might be the only place I've said it, and I, it, it'd be nice to. Get get this out i as a kid was uh uh, here in town we had a a star trek fan club this was back when things were manila envelopes and fanzines and the the internet was way off and all that kind of stuff and literally everything was done by mail and by mimeograph and stuff like that i remember and uh it was a good time because you really had to you know, you had and I. You, you, you kind of had to work at it, yeah. And I found out that there was a a, a a a club over in Panama City. There's still people from that club to this day. I'm still friends. This is 1975, 76. I remember I was standing there and found out there was a club while I was in Panama City, holding a copy of the Live and Let Die soundtrack in my hands, which I was purchasing. And I made friends with these people. And there was a woman there who was in the air force and she had a copy of a book called fantastic television by Gary Girani. And I saw that book and I lost my freaking mind. It was like, I've, I've had three <laughs> or four books before that, that I wanted real bad that I got as a kid. This book, it had, uh, outer limits in it. it had the prisoner. It had the night stalker. It had all this stuff. It had episode guides for all of these shows and a bunch more. And I wanted it so bad that I bugged this woman until she finally sold me the book because I couldn't find it. I couldn't go, I, I couldn't get a, anybody in the bookstore to order me a copy. You know, stuff back then was tougher to get. Yeah, and I finally Gary Gerani's working on the Night Stalker Blu-ray set. All these years later, I nice. wrote him and I told him, I said, I still got that copy. I still have that book. I still got it in my book on my shelves. I said, I'm working with Tim Lucas. 
I'm t- uh, working with uh, Mark Dewidziak. I hope I'm saying the name right, who uh, we've com- communicated, but he was the one who did the big Night Stalker, the like official best. The companion the book. The companion yeah. book. And there's other people in there, too. There's Constantine Nasser, and I know there's other people I'm leaving out, but I am so proud to be working with that group of people i feel like you know i feel like uh you know uh, what the two guys oh, we're not worthy we're not worthy but to be working <laughs> with guys that if somebody had told me as a kid when i was like uh, i don't know 14 15 years old bugging this woman for this book it's like one day you'll be working on a, on a cover for a thing that this guy's going to be doing doing it you know doing stuff on i'd be like what that's like a fantasy yeah. and it's come to pass and i'm very proud of it i'm very very proud of it all right. Well, Mark. Uh, oh, and uh, by the way, not, go to Maddox Planet on Instagram. That's where I'm, I'm starting oh, to throw my artwork now. I just want people to. Oh, that's true. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm the Mark Maddox in Tallahassee. You can friend me there too. But on Instagram, which I'm really starting to boost up on and starting to get a good, uh, uh, my artwork's on there. It's on Maddox Planet and uh, friend me, please, or follow me, or whatever they call it there. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off, but I. Did. Oh no, there's no problem. I was just I I was just gonna say that uh, uh, you are the first person to be on. Uh, I think you're the first person to be on back to back episodes of the show, uh, and I'm uh, glad that the, the the two films that we covered are so so vastly different. I think hung together, uh, 1941 and Wild Wild Planet hung together by uh, by miniature shots, really. Uh, well, I, I I appreciate the fact that's one thing I love about doing this show with you is that nothing we've done you can't draw necessarily a straight line. We've done a Doctor Who single True. episode of Doctor Who. We've done comedy. We've done western. We did Django, and all that kind of stuff. And I love that. It's like, hey Rodney, let's do this. I you know, <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, why not? Oh, good. I well, that's the beauty of this podcast. That's that's what I wanted to do when I started doing it. It was just, was to have a show where the guest could you know basically initiate a talk about almost any genre, any any type of film, and it would just be the next episode. So once it. again, I love uh, it. I love it. I appreciate yeah. it. I really do. We wanted to thank you again for being on the show, and I guess uh, we'll figure out what we'll talk about next time uh, here sometime soon. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks, Mark. All right. Remember, care. if uh, anybody's out there wants to uh, write us, give us any ideas, tell us what you think about Wild Wild Planet or any other film that we have covered, the email address for the show is thebloodypit at gmail.com, and you've got all the information already for Maddox. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Music.